It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Robert's Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got plenty to cover. Special treat this week, Jason Mitchell of Jason Mitchell Outdoors will join us to talk about uh, graveyard walleyes and perch fishing out on Devil's Lake. Jason Freed will drop by and talk about uh, some crappie fishing tactics when fishing suspended. Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji will talk about fishing crappie stationary, and he's got a great wolf story he'll share. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick off the show with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine in Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes, Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off, as we always do, with our local report. We bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures, and Jason's got us covered pretty much from uh, Leech Lake down here to the Brainerd Lakes area. Maybe we'll start, uh, Jason, up on Leech. Um, I haven't really heard a lot from up there in the last couple of weeks. Of course, we've had that snowstorm that kind of slowed things down, and we've got a big ice storm here this past week, which didn't help. Um, but what are you hearing up on Leech? Uh, you know, the walleye bites, uh, walleye bites slowed down quite a bit. Um, it's definitely the best walleye bites throughout this winter so far has actually been evening and overnight. Um, it's been kind of the most consistent bite is uh, people who are in their sleepers and shacks or are picking up some fish throughout the night. And, um, you know, at one point, Walker Bay, the ice was uh, pretty, pretty sketchy in some areas. And they actually shut it down a couple, three weeks ago. Um, to no traffic uh, because there were some spots they were really worried about. But now it sounds like it's getting more more secure and people are getting back out. And, um, you know, on the south end of the main lake, it's still the same stuff, you know, fishing the, the main lake humps. You know, they got roads going all the way out to by Pelican Island and Red Rocks and over by Bear Island and such. Uh, so there's quite a bit of traffic out there. I think the best thing to do is, is get away and try to find some of those pieces of structure uh, that maybe aren't uh, getting hit as much. But, you know, it's the big thing is just setting up on prime pieces of structure uh, and then just taking advantage of the opportunity to, to be in that spot when, when, the, when the good fishing is going to be and then, be, then being willing if the weather's you know, treats you well to get out off the uh, out of the fish house and be able to maybe bop around a little bit and, and cover some more ground. Um, you know, like I said, the Walker Bay has been overall, um, you know, pretty decent at times. Um, you know, they're catching a few more smaller fish, keeper fish, whereas on the main lake it's a lot more uh, throwbacks, you know, bigger fish between 20 and 26 inches. Uh, and then perch fishing has been a lot of small perch. I uh, haven't heard any real great reports for for good sized perch, but uh, you know people are you know picking, you know sorting through and catching a few perch out um, out in the Goose Flats and uh, on the Grandview Flats and off the areas around Pine Point, as well as up in uh, Sucker Bay and Hardwoods. So that's kind of the leech report. Uh, you know, it's kind of typical for leech. Um, you know, it gets a little tough as we get into January, February. You just got to kind of take advantage of those those prime situations, and more importantly, try to seek out areas that haven't been fished yet. As we move uh, then down here to the Brainerd Lakes area, anything special to report? 
You know, I've, I've heard the walleye bite has slowed down a little bit. I have not had a chance to get out walleye fishing. Uh, I've done a little bit of pan fishing and, and such, but the uh, walleye bite slowed down a little bit. Uh, you know, I uh, talked to a couple people who were out on North Long, and uh, it was going pretty decent in some spots uh, on North Long, but it sounds like that bite slowed down. And then same thing with gall in some of those areas. You know, it's just a matter of getting in some of those, you know, out to those peak areas and, um, you know, I know some people have had some success now getting on golf, kind of fishing some off stro- offshore structures, um, you know, deeper humps, rock piles, um, you know, underwater points, uh, some of those kinds of things, and, and just getting out and, like I said, trying to fish new structure. That's that's the kind of the name of the game, you know. Early in the season, everybody's kind of setting up on, uh, you know, a lot of the well-known pieces of structure, or they're, they're getting where they can go, and then eventually those, those spots can kind of get fished or outfished a little bit, and then... You know, so now the key is, if you can, and we talked about this last week, is just being mobile and, and being well to move around. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the, the benefit people have with, with wheelhouses is you're able to set them up on, on pretty prime spots. It's kind of like a tree stand, you know, and when you want to set a tree stand, you want to set it in a spot where you feel like you're going to have a lot of uh, traffic, you know, deer traffic moving through. And the same thing goes with a fish house. You want to be able to set up in a spot where... You know there's going to be fish moving through. Maybe it's throughout the day. Maybe it's, you know, that evening, morning bite. They're going to be transitioning back and forth from deeper to shallow, shallow to deep. Um, you know, but then just taking advantage. If you get some good weather, being able to be willing able to, to bring your portable along and, and get out and whole hop around or change things up. You know, I mean, get out. I mean, you can catch panfish and crappies during the day. Um, you know, go find some of these other lakes and, and you know, grab your, uh, you know, a little bit of your ice gear and, uh, there's a decent crappie bite going on some of the smaller lakes, um, you know, fishing the basins. Um, you know, early in the season, the crappies, you know, they kind of move around a little bit more, maybe not as as much as they would maybe in the spring and summer. But, um, you know, that, that the traditional ice fishing bite for crappies right now is, is definitely setting up on the edges of those basins, uh, finding some of the inside turns, areas where those, co- those crappies are going to congregate. And then just kind of really trying to dissect it and figure out exactly where they are. And then obviously, more the more, most important thing is what's going to make them bite. Um, and then bluegills, you know, you're going to find bluegills in some of those lakes mixed in the same areas, uh, just in different water column. You know, the one thing I'll tell people, when you're fishing suspended fish, a lot of times you people want to drop right down in the school. And that's a lot, that's a lot of times where you find the smaller fish, whereas the bigger crappies or the bigger bluegills are oftentimes out off the edge of the school kind of roaming around and uh i've had a lot of success in the past of just being very aggressive and getting up above that school um or sometimes just moving a, just a short little distance off to the edge of where that school is and sometimes you'll find those those bigger fish and so i think if you can get up above those schools of fish you oftentimes find those bigger ones they come in and are more aggressive and you know it's 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 like uh you know the person who just kind of sits sits back and and lets all the little all the little kids go and uh, you know have at it, and, and then they just kind of go in and, and pick up the scraps when they're done. And I think uh, eventually what happens with uh, with bigger crappies and bigger panfish is they kind of get maybe fed up with with having to fight the little ones for for the food that uh, they end up uh, just kind of you know holding back and then finding the more uh, individual pieces and going after it from there. How is the conditions getting around out there, Jason? Uh, anybody that knows that you know the Brainerd area here, we got a pretty nasty ice storm on Monday, and, and you're walking around parking lots right now. Um, you're slipping and sliding uh, out on the the ice itself. Uh, can you get around okay? I'd imagine ice spikes are probably something that are handy right now. Oh, for sure. You definitely want to have a good a good pair of ice spikes. I mean, the nice thing is with the, I mean a little bit of the rain we get in the ice. I mean, it actually creates kind of a crust on top of the ice. 
Um, you know, so it's, it's loud, you know, walking around, but you know, I, we were, we were able with those warm temperatures to knock some of the snow down, which is helpful. Um, you know, I you definitely want to have four wheel drive and you definitely want to kind of stick to the roads. And then, you know, like I said last week, really kind of get out, look around a little bit, stay away from drifts. Um, you know, but you can get around, um, you know, but it's going to take four wheel drive. You're not going to want to run around in a car or anything like that, but, um, you know, have a good truck or a snowmobile, um, you know, or something with tracks, four wheelers, maybe not quite as good as they were prior to the snowstorm. But, uh, if you have a track, something with tracks, like a snowmobile or good four wheel drive, you can pretty much still get to a lot of places. And we've talked about this before, but, you know, there are so many lakes that have panfish in them and, and, you know, a lot of the well-known ones, get, they get hit hard. And, and uh, you, know, one of the, just the, you know, one of the things I like to do is I like to seek out lakes that have panfish regulations on them. Um, those five fish panfish limits, you know, five crappies, five, five bluegills, because typically those lakes have better size structure. And, 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 I mean, this is obviously a conversation for a whole other time, but, you know, there's a lot of conversation out there right now as to, what people should be keeping for panfish, how many panfish, and, and there's a lot more attention being put on panfish and crappies because, um, you know, there, some people argue the days of having these lakes that are just plump full of big crappies and big big bluegills and such are, are kind of becoming less and less. And so it's like walleyes. It's like everything else. you got to maybe still use some selective harvest if you want to catch big panfish. And, you know, so if you catch a 10-inch bluegill, best thing to do, take a picture you know, throw it back, let it grow. You know, if you get into good schools and keep those eight inches, uh, they, you know, they clean up just as well. They eat just as well, um, you know, because we want to try to preserve because it is fun. I mean, nothing. We all grow up catching panfish, and and it's all part of us. And nobody, everybody likes to catch a big bluegill or catch a big crappie because it's, it's fun and they fight hard. And and uh, if, we, if we want to keep having those crappies and those those bluegills that are good size, we got to take care of the fisheries. But but like you said, for sure, get out, explore. There's tons of lakes out there. The the chain, the Gull Lake chain, uh, you know, all the stuff around Nisswa and uh, down here into the west of Brainerd. And and there's a lot of cool lakes that you can go back. I mean, the Pillsbury Forest. Um, you know, there's so many areas that you know if you want to do a little adventure, go on a little walk, get some snowshoes on. Um, you know, get on the Minnesota DNR Lake Finder site. Uh, you can be rewarded with a lot of fun fishing. And at the same time, you might strike out, but, you know, that's, that's part of fishing. That's part of the adventure because then when you do find a lake that pans out, it makes it all the more worthwhile. There you go. Great stuff from Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures. Check him out on social media as well as leisureoutdooradventures.com. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Sounds good. Take care. Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. And Steve, what can you tell us out there? Obviously, we got the snow. I would imagine the resorts out there have been very busy plowing roads and stuff and those that have rental houses and everything. So getting around on Mille Lacs, um, probably I would say okay. It's probably like most of our other lakes. It's just icy. Just icy is right, Brian. You know, we had that nice soft spell for a while there. Everything was warm. The snow uh, turned to slush and now with that cold front again, you know, you're better off on the plowed roads. There's no doubt. If you go out on your own too far, you're going to be hitting into a lot of ruts and grooves. But Black's Lake is looking like it used to look, you know, eight, ten years ago. I mean, and further back. 
there are houses everywhere. I bet you there was at least a thousand houses out there this last weekend. And gosh knows this coming weekend here we got it's the same thing again. Things are looking good, Brian. The fish are biting. Everybody's having fun. Yeah, and it sounds like the walleye is fishing. You know, it goes as the weather goes, is obviously. And Malax is well known for being, as we like to call, a little psycho when it comes to weather patterns. It'll it'll change on a dime. But it sounds like the walleye fishing has been okay out there. It has been. I've been fortunate to go on a lot of different places. You know, I'm a lax like this last winter fishing. My sons, my twin boys, Travis and Tyler, got a wheelhouse, and we're putting it up every other place. You know, every other weekend we got a different place, you know, different side of the lake we've been fishing, Brian, and uh, we've got a great big screen TV hooked up to the uh, underwater camera, and it is just fish all over the place. Like you said, though, on the other hand, try to get them to bite. That's not always the case, you know, but that's fishing. Uh, people don't realize a cold front in the wintertime is always worse than a cold front in the summer. For those that maybe have never set their wheelhouse up out on Mille Lacs and are thinking about doing it, Steve, where would you send them right now? Brian, that is such a fantastic, good question. I would say uh, depends what side of the lake you're coming from. If you're coming from the Twin Cities side, stay on the south side. You know, plenty of good fish in the south, north, uh, west, and east side of uh, Mille Lacs Lake. If you're coming from up around uh, northern part of Mille Lacs Lake, stay up there on the north side. Garrison's good. The north end is good as well as the east side. It's just been unbelievable. Uh, been a pretty decent bite uh, so far on the north end. It's been kicking up a little bit bit, little bit better, let's say, than the uh, other areas I've been fishing. But I can't complain. We're catching fish all over. Mud, gravel, uh, transition, where do you want to sit? Right now, it all depends how far you can get out. Uh, I know a couple friends of mine are getting out there with snowmobiles and ATVs out to the mud. They're doing real well. We're sitting off of the uh, resorts yet, you know, using their plowed roads and everything and just going off the beaten path a little bit, and we're into the transition from the uh, rock to the rubble to the sand, and we're doing good too. If I could get out to the mud, I'd give it a try just for the heck of it. But right now, you know, a mile and a half to three miles off the shore in the sand, everybody's doing good. You know, one thing I've noticed this year, and, and it might be just purely coincidental, but I, I just think it's very interesting. You know, we've always talked about jigging techniques and aggressive jigging and all that. I've seen a lot of guys that are, you know, guides, uh, pro anglers that are talking more and more this year, especially about Malax, uh, dead sticks and rattle reels, which when you think about it, there's not a lot of effort put into that, but they seem to be working the best. <laughs> uh, like what you said, Brian, not a lot of effort. Really, that's very true. Rattle reels are a no-brainer, and we've been having the same luck. We've been having more luck on the rattle reels of dead sticks than we have jigging. We're fishing no more than six inches off the bottom, sometimes four inches off the bottom, and we've been getting fish all through the day, on and off, and all through the night, on and off. It's been a lot more productive than our jigging sticks. Uh, yeah, we've been having some luck with jigging sticks, but the rattle reels right now are, are produce, outproducing three to four to one right now for us. And I brought it up with Jason Freed last week. I said, who would have thought about a month ago we did a segment on the show about rattle reel techniques? Who would have ever thought about doing something like that? But we've come a long way. It has, you know, and it's not just for walleyes, too. You know, we've been using rattle reels, uh, especially in the evening for crappies. When we set the house, you know, the wheelhouse over where the crappies get going, you know, towards the bays, and they've been producing pretty good for us. So, yeah, rattle reels is a very versatile thing. We all laughed about them years ago, and now we all, we're looking to, you know, buy more if we can. For sure. Now, one last thing, Steve, you keep an eye on some of those lakes around Mille Lacs. You like to do a lot of pan fishing around there, too. Uh, two questions on that. Can you get around out there with all the snow that we got here in the last uh, 10 days or so? Um, obviously, the roads aren't plowed out there as much as they are in the big lake like Mille Lacs. And are they producing? Uh, good question. Uh, you can get around. 
believe me, it's four-wheel drive. If, you got, if you're out there with your pickup, it is definitely four-wheel drive, and drive slow, people. Uh, ATVs can get you around. A lot of snow out there, Brian, right now. Uh, snowmobile is a good bet. Are they producing? Yes, they are. We're catching a lot of three to a pound, four to a pound sunnies. Three to a pound is great eating size. Uh, not tying into the, the half pounders as much as we should be this time of year, but take a look at what we're facing, too. One cold front after another. The small lakes are fun. They've been going pretty decent. You know, like I said, not a lot of action with the bigger sunfish, but doing pretty good with three to a pound. Crappie butt has been okay. That's been more early, early in the morning and late in the evening. It's been fun. I noticed things haven't been really kicking well for the largemouth bass. They still usually go this time of year. Haven't seen them going too much neither. But, uh, yeah, get out there, bring an ATV, play it safe. I, that's what I've been doing. There you go. Steve Sapaniak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info as always, bud, and uh, we will check in next week, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. All right. When we come back, Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors will drop by. He'll talk some perch fishing out on Devil's Lake in North Dakota and graveyard walleye tactics when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And a special treat on this week's show. We are lucky enough to be joined by the one, the only Jason Mitchell with Jason Mitchell Outdoors. You can catch on uh, Saturday mornings on FSN. Uh, Jason, welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors. Hey, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. Yeah, and I know we had you on a while back uh, to talk some open water stuff on Devil's Lake, which is kind of your camp out there is where, where your kind of headquarters at. Uh, this time around, I did want to talk about some, some uh, ice fishing out that way because it is a destination for people here in Minnesota. And then we also want to talk a little bit about an article you did on graveyard shift walleyes, which I thought was really, really interesting. But first off, I, I guess, how's the fishing been out there? You know, overall, we've had a pretty good winter. You know, our, our perch numbers definitely seem up. You know, obviously, we don't get on them every single day. I would say in a typical week, you know, if we're fishing hard, we might have three stellar days on perch, and then a couple of days where we're scratching our heads, and then, you know, maybe a couple of average days. But uh, the walleye fishing has been picking up the slack, too, and so that's the beauty of it is if you do strike out on the perch, you know, you can go up in the mornings and evenings especially, go up on some of the shallow structure and find some walleyes. So. And that's kind of the trick with, with Devil's Lake. It's a multi-species lake for those that aren't familiar with it. Yeah, you know, I always encourage people to be an opportunist to just fish for what's biting. You know, we've been having some great uh, success on perch, especially on the east half of the lake, East Bay, East Devil's Lake, and even over on Stump Lake. You know, that's probably where we're seeing by far the, the best perch bites. But, um, you know, in depending on the part of the lake, but it seems like that 38-foot contour seems to be holding a lot of fish, and it's just a matter of just drilling holes until you find them and kind of get that rhythm where you've got that flow of fish coming underneath you and then trying to figure out what they want. But um, you know, we've had some really good days out there. So, And when we talked to you last time about open water out there, we kind of got a little history you, you provided with us with Devil's Lake. And basically it's a very tricky lake with a lot of tricky structure out there because just to give people a brief background, it kind of uh, is kind of an overflow type of lake and flooded a lot of that area and continued to grow there for a while. So it's got to be a lake that you have to learn and relearn almost every other year or so maybe, huh? Yeah, you know, you know, the perch seem to typically follow that deep basin transition line, and so that kind of stays the same from year to year. Just that, you know, years ago we were fishing them in 20 feet of water, you know, out by the towers, you know, and say in the early 90s you know you're fishing in say 20 to 24 feet now you're in you know 34 to 44 feet and so the spots haven't changed and my own theory is that 
know, these perch come up on the shallow structure, they get ambushed by all the walleye and pike, and so they like to seem to, they seem to like those deep transitions in those flats. But um, at the same time, when we do find perch up shallow, typically the schools are smaller, but a lot of times they're bigger fish, and typically they're more aggressive. You know, if you do find fish or perch less than, say, 15 feet, usually they're pretty aggressive. So that's the, you know, the give and take to it, so... And you mentioned you've been chasing a lot of perch around lately. Is there a special presentation you like to use this time of year, Jason? You know, the small Thompson jigs have been working really good with just tip of the waxworm or two waxworms. And then I've been using the speed uh, speed spoon quite a bit, which just has a dropper chain on it. And that blue and glow has been just great for me this year. But uh, probably the biggest thing is, uh, you know, these fish are eating a lot of freshwater shrimp. And so they seem to like a smaller, more subtle presentation. And uh, that's probably the biggest thing to remember. Then other than that, it's, you know, it's all about finding them, you know, and just getting those windows where they eat. I mean, when they're, when they're on, you could, you could probably use several different things and catch fish. You're just trying to land on them when they're, when they're biting because, you know, you'll have, you'll have periods where you mark fish and they just won't open up. And then for whatever reason, you know, there'll be just an hour in the day where they just, you know, where you catch 10 in a row, you know, and, and you're catching them before you get your bail closed. And so it just kind of varies on the day. You know, and a few weeks ago on the show, we talked about the importance of having the right line for pan fishing, Jason. Uh, does that factor in at all for perch, too? Do you want to kind of take those same concepts? Yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in light line, uh, especially in that deep water. And also, too, on Devil's Lake, I, I really think it's an advantage. You know, when you're fishing in 40 feet of water, you know, you use braided line. Uh, you know, with monofilament, you just have so much stretch when you're that far down. And, uh, you know, uh, I find that I, you know, I miss way more fish, and I, you know, fish come unbuttoned on halfway up, you know, to the hole. And so, you know, like a four-pound braid is just perfect, but just, you know, thin diameter, no stretch. And uh, to me, that's, you know, the ultimate line for that deep-water perch. And as far as walleyes go out there, when you're chasing them around, uh, Jason, uh, any special tactics or presentations you like to use there? Well, you know, I just touched on how the perch, you know, can be not aggressive at times and how they like the more subtle smaller profiles you know the walleyes are in a lot of cases on the opposite end of the extreme where they can be pretty aggressive and uh predominantly you know i've been catching walleyes this past week in 15 feet of water 9 feet of water 12 feet of water is typically you know less than 15 feet and depending on what part of the lake you're on typically it's morning and evenings are the best but sometimes we get these gray days and they'll bite all day uh in some of the backwater areas north of highway two like up on irving and mike's lake and chain lake and lake alice you know we're catching fish in five feet of water but uh typically those fish you know a rattle and blade spoon's been working really good or a, or a horizontal similar like a jigging ramp um and typically we're, we're knocking those pretty hard it's not necessarily a high lift stroke but just a really hard pound where we're fishing those ones pretty aggressively the biggest thing is just to call them in but they seem to react better to that more aggressive uh cadence i guess when you're jigging and are you an angler that likes to punch a lot of holes and run around a lot? Because it seems like a lot of anglers you talk to, that's the way to do it. You know, most days, you know, especially to find fish, if you're just going out, you know, you're not going to catch them if they're not there. And, uh, you know, you can do a lot of things wrong in the right spot. And so half of it's just getting landing on a, on a pot of fish that wants to play. And so, you know, drilling a lot of holes and moving is, is definitely a, a big part of it. But then once you find them, sometimes you just have to buckle down and, figure out what they want i think sometimes people get discouraged with their marking fish but they can't figure them out and they might be a little bit too you know they might leave them too soon and so once i find them i like to just kind of settle in and and you know 
you know, I always joke, you know, the big moose find fish, but the small moose catch fish, you know, and, and, um, you know, once you find them, you know, a lot of times it might be just a matter of just drilling a hole 10 feet away just to change up the scenery, you know, it can make all the difference in the world. But, um, you definitely do have to drill a lot of holes to find fish on Devil's Lake. And, and, you know, it's a big body of water and sometimes it can be intimidating when you look at all the water. I always tell people, you know, just look at one area and fish it, you know, there's fish all over. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, just trying to break down water and get on fish. So, and being Devil's Lake is a destination lake. I know a lot of people from here in the Brainerd area that uh, go out there at least once or twice a year. And, uh, you know, looking at the, the numbers that were at the St. Paul Ice Show this year, are you seeing a, a lot of anglers out on Devil's Lake? You mentioned the fishing's been pretty good pretty much all winter long out there. Are you seeing an uptick in anglers or about the same of what you normally see? You know, about the same. And we always see a lot of anglers. You know, it's uh, you know it's amazing how big of a lake it is. You know, there'll be some areas where, you know, you'll see, you know, more than 100 vehicles, you know, and, uh, you know, typically, especially if, you know, on a good bite. But um, you can, it's also a very easy lake to get lost in it in the sense that you can just get away from everybody. And, you know, you can fish areas and not have anybody within a half a mile of you or more, you know. And so it's easy to strike out on your own. And, so, you know, there's pros and cons of that. Sometimes you find the mother load that, you know, hasn't been touched yet, and you can experience some incredible fishing. And then there's other days where I, venture off and i try different things and i realize wow now i know why nobody's fishing here <laughs> there's no, no no fish here you know but um uh you know there, especially on the weekends you know there's definitely more people during the week it's surprisingly how quiet it, it can be so and one last thing on devil's lake jason before we get into the article um the water clarity there is is devil's lake because i have never fished it before is it a fairly clear lake or is it a little bit on the murky side Oh, typically it's a little bit on the murky side. I mean, some of these places where we're finding walleyes in five feet of water, you know, you can barely see down two feet. And uh, and out on the main bay and East Bay, East Devil's Lake, Stump Lake, you know, I, you might be able to see down four or five feet. I mean, sometimes when we're shooting underwater stuff, we can maybe see down eight to ten feet. But eight feet, with nine feet, ten feet, that's kind of pushing. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, the people that are spearing pike, you know, their biggest challenge is finding clean enough water where they can see down you know, past three or four or five feet, you know, and so Devil's Lake does have a little bit of color in the water. So that's something for anglers to keep in mind if you're heading out that way. Make sure you have the uh, proper gear for fish and water like that. Uh, last thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jason, was a very interesting article you wrote, uh, I want to say back towards the end of December, uh, called Graveyard Shift Walleyes. It's something that people sometimes forget about. Yeah, you know, I, I, I grew up fishing, you know, through the night a lot as a kid, and uh, some of it is that, you know, I had school during the day or you know, had different things, you know, sometimes I had to work and, you know, I remember so many nights where, you know, I wouldn't get off work till, you know, five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And then, uh, you know, it's pitch black and I'd go out and fish and, um, you know, learned a lot of lessons, you know, back then that, you know, still apply today, but it's an exciting, fun time to fish and a lot of water. It's really one of your best opportunities for catching fish, you know, especially you get, you know, really clear water lakes. Um, you can really struggle during the day, but, you know, willing to put in the time after dark you know you can you can catch you know catch fish and in some cases catch some really big fish so i think probably the biggest mistake in my mind and it's a mistake that i've made many many times myself is that you know you get your spots and you get your locations where you're catching some at sunset sun or morning evening you know that that uh, witching hour you know right when the sun's hitting the trees or they're they're fishing their daytime spots per se where they caught fish morning evening or during the day 
And what I find is that, you know, a lot of cases, these walleyes, they, they tend to roam a lot and they tend to leave the structure. It's almost like they're more secure where they'll just wander up on shallow flats and they'll kind of get away from the edges. And a lot of times when we're walleye fishing, you know, we're focusing so much on edges, you know, we're looking at that map chip and we're, you know, we're fishing the, you know, those break lines, that structure. And, um, what I find is after dark, middle of the night, you know, you'll find fish move right up on top of the structure. You'll move, you'll find fish that move right up on top of the flats. And they're typically cruising, and they're typically pretty aggressive. And um, what I found is if I try to chase after them, you know, usually that backfired. And what I found is if I just set up in an area where at some point during the night these fish are going to cruise through, you could do a lot of damage in a short amount of time. I remember, you know, spending the night out on the lake and. You know, it's kind of a deal, and I'm sure people can relate to this when they when they spend the night out in a sleeper house where, you know, there'll be three hours of nothing, then there'll be half an hour of just, you know, chaos where every rattle reel's down, you know. And you almost have to set up with that mentality and, you know, and just kind of capitalize on your windows when they come through and uh, just set up it where at some point during that night those fish are going to cruise underneath you when they do, you know, try to take as many of them as you can, so. Yeah, two of the biggest walleye I ever caught through the ice were on Mille Lacs, and one of them was at 10.30 at night, and I think the other one was like 2.30 in the morning. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And you mentioned Mille Lacs and Red Lake as uh, two lakes that, that actually could be very productive if you know what you're doing to fish walleye at night. Oh, absolutely. I mean, most days, you know, I'd, I'd catch way more fish during the night than I would during the day on Mille Lacs and Red Lake, and there's other lakes like that, too. You know, you just have to be suited up to you know to fish out there through the night you know in a sleeper house honestly is probably one of the easiest ways to do it because you know uh, especially in those lakes where you know where a, where a shiner or some type of a minnow can work so well to catch fish to where you know people that are spending the night out there they'll you know they'll catch quite a few more fish usually than uh, you know some of the people that are you know fishing in the daylight hours so. and you mentioned glow is is the way you like to go glow jigs at night that makes a lot of sense yeah i've had a lot of luck with that over time obviously when you're hanging it below a rattle reel and it's down there for three hours the glow wears off but i can't tell you how many times where middle of the night where i charge up that lure or jig or whatever i was using and um it was almost instant you know and so i'm, I'm a big believer in that after dark definitely charge up those lures so there you go uh jason mitchell jason mitchell outdoors uh, jason anything else you wanted to add while we got you here no just get out and fish you know we've got a lot of winter left and you know we had kind of a weird year so far where we had kind of a late freeze up. Well, we had early ice, and then we had a warm spell. Then we it seems like at, at home here it's either thirty above or thirty below. <laughs> now we've got some pressure just opening up and stuff. But we're making good ice, and uh, we're going to be out there for quite a while. Winter's here, whether you like it or not. So you might as well get out and enjoy it. So. Yeah, absolutely. If people want more information on you, Jason, want to check you out and what you're up to, uh, what's the best way to get that? You know, just uh, JasonMitchellOutdoors.com is our website. But you know, look us up on Facebook. Just you know, search Jason Mitchell Outdoors. We've got a YouTube channel you can look up. We're on Instagram. And uh, just reach out to us. We love hearing from people. And, uh, you know, and uh, I always joke, you know, this industry is as much about people as it is about fish, you know. And um, we love, you know, visiting and talking with other anglers. And uh, we just all share a passion for something we love. Well said, Jason Mitchell, Jason Mitchell Outdoors. Jason, I really appreciate it. I know you're really, really busy taking some time to talk to us. And hopefully we can have you on the show again sometime. You bet. Thanks for calling. All right. When we come back, Matt Brewer with North Country Guide Service in Bemidji has got the Up North Report. He'll talk a little bit about uh, fishing crappie stationary, and he has got a really cool wolf story to tell when we come back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. 
You're listening to the place for everything outdoors in the Brainerd Lakes and beyond. Brainerd Outdoors Radio, just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. Now here's your host, Brian Moon. Let's head up north. We bring in Matt Brewer for the Up North Report, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji, and a lot to talk to Matt about uh, here coming up. We're going to talk a little bit about a wolf story that he had that kind of coincides with our segment last week, and it's kind of an amazing thing. But uh, before we get into that, Matt, we should talk a little bit about ice conditions, fishing up by you. Uh, we talked last week about uh, you know the snow and, and all of that, and it was a little tricky getting around. Uh, a week later, maybe some plowing's been done. We did get a bit of an ice storm. Uh, how are things looking up there? Plowing happened. <laughs> it was almost uh, mandatory. Um, but then we got that nice warm-up, and a lot of that snow that we had compacted. A lot of it melted down, so travel is, is pretty easy when you get uh, off the plowed roads, uh, thanks to that meltdown. Um, we've got a little bit of snow and blowing since, so there are still some drifts, and thanks to the warm-up, there, there were some slush pockets. Most of the slush pockets have kind of frozen up now, um, thanks to some negative temps midweek we had here. Um but uh, we're going into another decent warming spell. It's not gonna not gonna do any damage or anything like that. But uh, we're still gonna make ice. Uh, might be a little slower than we had hoped for, and we don't have nearly as much ice as we had hoped for. But but things are still looking pretty good. I think one of the things you pointed out that I thought was really good last week, Matt, is you thought you know just because you see people driving around out there, don't just think you can just hop in the vehicle and drive wherever you want on the lakes yet, because we really didn't freeze uniform like we normally like to do uh would you want people to still adhere to that yeah i mean this is one of those years where you know you could see a hundred trucks on the ice and decide you want to go off somewhere on your own and you hit a spot where there's been a drift sitting um that's been sitting there for three weeks and it has slush under it and you might only have eight inches of ice underneath it so you just need to use caution and, and be smart and um, I'm, you know, I'm not seeing a lot of people checking much ice anymore. They're just kind of like, eh, it's, it's mid-January. We should be able to drive anywhere, and and they're just kind of going. So hopefully, uh, people start to realize that you know, no fish is worth <laughs> losing your truck, your life. Um, you you got to be careful when you're out there. I had one listener email us a question for you, Matt. Uh, had to do with crappie fishing. They said, uh, I know I you like to be mobile. And then you could have your best success crappie fishing, but being able to not get around as well as we'd like to. Any tactics and any tips on how you can still have success being somewhat stationary for crappies and panfish? Oddly enough, we just had this conversation on the ice the other day. We we got on a really good bite, um, but the fish were moving really quickly. Like we, um, it, it was one of those days where I realized that I shouldn't have missed leg day for the last twenty years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sloshing through uh slush and, and you know tall snow on on relatively uh un, untattered ice um you know there there weren't a lot of tracks to follow it was we were making our own trails busting through drifts walking and and my legs were like beat by the end of the day because i was moving around on top of these schools so much and and i'd keep rotating back through and i'd find fish in the same hole after making all these big runs all over all over the place and i'd find fish in the other holes too but eventually they'd be back in the same hole and uh we talked about if it'd be probably be smarter to just stay stationary and wait for those fish to come through but obviously we didn't do that so we don't know if they would have come through or not but 
but there's always that debate. Do you run around? Do you stay stationary? So I, my theory is that uh, if you get on top of a school of fish, or if you're in a basin that the fish are roaming in, if you sit stationary and you sit there long enough, you're probably going to have the school swim through. So um, you can still have success, um, you know, just getting over the, the spots that have fish in or near them. Um, you're probably just not going to do as well as if you're chasing the school around all day. Obviously, you're going to be able to get on top of them over and over and over again rather than waiting. You know, when the, when the fish disappear, maybe jig a little more aggressively. Um, you know, try to make some uh, some water move down there and uh, make a little noise and, and uh, get that, that bait to flash a little bit so that uh, crappies from afar, especially in clear water, can uh, can visualize and key in on it and then hopefully move in and bring their buddies with them. All right, before we get into the wolf story, I just want to touch on walleyes up there, Matt. Um, anything special to report there? Any lakes that are doing something a little out of the ordinary? Is it pretty much status quo? We're, we're so stuck on Bemidji right now. Um, this is one of the busiest, it is the busiest rental season I've ever seen um, in preparation for Hockey Day in Minnesota, which is in Bemidji. Um, there's all these hockey tournaments every weekend leading up to it, and then during hockey day, I wish I, I wish I had about a hundred fish houses for, <laughs> for that weekend because I've got, I've got everybody and their brother wanting to go ice fishing. Um, so it, it, it's, uh, it's been good on Bemidji, um, but it's been semi inconsistent, and I can't quite figure it out. Um, we're we're on top of schools and we're staying on top of them, um, but one day we'll have a crew they'll catch like seventy keepers. And then the next crew will catch six. So, and the fish are still there. They're still racing up to meet your jig five feet, five feet uh, off bottom. Um, but they just don't commit for some reason. Um, so it, it's been hit or miss. And then the walleyes, it's been fairly consistent. I mean, every every house is getting some walleyes overnight, mostly, and a lot of big fish. We've had a lot of like nineteen to twenty six inch fish, but they're all biting in the middle of the night on bigger sucker minnows. Is kind of what we're we're telling people to use and it seems to be working well so there you go now last week uh, if you caught the show matt and i were talking he was driving on his way home and uh he was right in the middle of, of talking about i forget what we, our conversation was but matt just stopped right in the middle of it and said there is a huge wolf right in front of me standing on the road looking at me and uh, we got to talking off air afterwards and matt said there's probably a pretty good chance i'm gonna see him again because he, he you have seen him before well, you did, Matt, and you got a real up-close version of it, too. Tell us about uh, what happened here this past week. Well, I mean, it was so strange because I, I've had wolves hanging around the house, um, around the farm here. I've had pictures of them in the pasture, in the backyard, um, and then I run bobcat sets just down the road a ways um, on some county land, and I've had a lot of bobcats in there this year. Um, I've had some, some fox, but... I haven't had hardly any coyotes, and I haven't had a single wolf on camera all year. And then talking to you last week, um, I saw that one on, on my lunch break, and uh, and I thought that was weird. It was the first wolf I had seen around the house this this year or this season. And uh, and then on Sunday, which was the last day of bobcat season, I went to go check my sets one last time, hoping for a cat, and and uh, was going to pull my pull my sets, and I walked up and. One of the one of the traps was gone, and the the drag was gone. I had a pretty heavy drag, um, you know, a, a twenty to thirty pound cat isn't going to be able to pull a drag very far. 
well, a hundred pound wolf can <laughs> pull a drag quite far, <laughs> but uh, luckily there was a, a really good drag mark, and I actually knew kind of right away um, when you know I saw the tracks and and uh, saw how far it had gone, and I crested over this hill, and there stood a stood a wolf staring at me, and uh, he was caught perfectly and uh, in a foothold, and he had the drag behind him, and it was stuck to a log, and I I panicked so, so much that I that I actually kind of went ah <laughs> and turned around and ran back to my snowmobile and uh, snowmobiled home and started getting tools together and making phone calls, uh, making sure people knew what was going on and called a a trapping friend who is he's actually DNR and uh, he came out to assist me and we were able to uh, to use a catch pole. To kind of ground the wolf so that he couldn't couldn't bite or or freak out, and then uh, and then I moved in and was able to remove the trap from the foot, and and then he put on kind of a cool show. He he had made his way down into some brush with the drag, and and uh, he sat there and howled for for three four minutes as we tried to kind of shoo him away, and he just wanted to stay in that brush and howl, and uh, and then we we walked away, and I went back a little bit later and. He was gone, healthy as could be, but uh, super cool experience. Very, uh, very cool to be that close to a wolf and to to touch one alive and <laughs> uh, really nerve wracking at the same time. But it was it was super neat. So I mean, he didn't. There was plenty of growling and biting at <laughs> at the catch pole, and um, I I actually it was so unfortunate because you know I've got a good camera and take some pretty decent pictures of wildlife, and when I came home, I grabbed my camera and and brought it out there, and I had a dead battery. Um, so I, I couldn't get great pictures, but then I moved in closer with my cell phone, and uh, he, he didn't want anything to do with that, so gave me a nice steady growl, and I moved back and realized I'm not getting any closer without the catch pole. So. <laughs> and one last thing on this, Matt, because it's an incredible story, but uh, you know you know as well as I do, uh, trapping can be a bit of a polarizing subject with people but you you like you said that the wolf went away uninjured the traps that you're running matt aren't aren't these old school ones that i think a lot of people think about right yeah i'm i'm not running cubby sets with uh with kind bears for for bobcats i've got you know i've got a bird dog and and i would hate for somebody else to to find their bird dog in one of my sets and and i wouldn't want my own dog running into it so um, running running footholds in cold weather is extremely challenging, and it cost me a couple bobcats this year. But uh, but footholds are are definitely the humane way to go. Not the trap. Actually, I'm using offset traps that are laminated, and uh, by offset it means the trap doesn't close all the way. There's a nice gap, and uh, it worked perfectly for that wolf because. We got pretty big paws. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the fact you said he howled for a while, and then if you get a chance, once again, I tell everybody to follow Matt on Facebook um, or Instagram. Or you put a video up on Facebook where he kind of howled, and almost it was it was amazing, almost like he he gave you the hey thanks a lot, and then off he went. And I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was super neat. Uh, bone chilling when they howl that close to you. It's, it's pretty incredible. <laughs> it's Matt Brewer, North Country Guide Service in Bemidji. You can check him out at northcountryguides.com. Uh, appreciate it, Matt. Good stuff as always, and we will check in soon, buddy, okay? Sounds good. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. 
Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And time for our famished fisherman recipe here. This time around, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. He's got a pretty good crappie recipe for us. I'm sure a lot of anglers out there having hopefully some luck catching crappie. Smoky seared crappie sandwiches, Joel. So we're going to take some crappie fillets, get those nice and cleaned up, and we're going to season them up pretty generously. A little bit of smoked paprika, um, if you can find some smoked sea salt, and a little black pepper. We're just going to season them up real nicely on all sides. And we're going to go to a cast iron skillet, a little bit of butter in there, and we're going to toss in our smoky fillets. I go skin side up. That way you can you know, lay it down, let it get nicer on the front side, flip it over. You only got to flip it one time, finish it on the end, add it to a couple of hamburger buns, you know, a little lettuce and tomato, make up some kind of a tartar sauce for you, and get yourself a good sandwich. Wanted to do it on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon. This would be perfect. So, and I'm, once again, if you don't have crappie laying around, obviously Interchangeable with any kind of fish. There you go. Definitely. That's what I love about your recipes. They're also very interchangeable. We love that. So uh, if you want to give it a try, by all means, head to our website, BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Click on the uh, Famish Fisherman recipe, and there's a ton of other recipes on there for you to try as well. Smoky seared crappie sandwiches, our recipe for this week. Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, 371 North and Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thank you, Brian. And that'll wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. If you are away from your radio or out of town, want to stream the show live, you can do that. Head to BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com, click on the Listen Live tab. While you're there, check out our sponsors page. You can also listen to the show on demand on the website. And if you'd rather go the podcast route, you can catch us wherever you download podcasts, whether it's Podcast One, iTunes, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, you name it. Just search Brainerd Outdoors, and while you're at it, give us a nice rate and review. We would appreciate that. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon. Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Pine River State Bank, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, Jack Pine Brewery, the official beer of Brainerd Outdoors, Freedom Firearms, The Power Lodge, Chef Roberts Fish Breading Mix, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.